Agua. Their uh, ulterior motive here is not that you are informed. Their ulterior motive is protecting the NFL from that video. Hi, everybody. I'm Rick Sanchez, and this is the Rick Sanchez Podcast. And we use this podcast, for the most part, to try and learn about, well, present conditions, right? How we can get better, how we can learn to adapt to the world we live in, in many ways. And every once in a while, something happens that crystallizes what that thing is that we need to learn, that we need to get better at. In fact, we did a show recently about Elon Musk and the fact that his stock in Tesla is tanking because he couldn't control his emotions and started saying things out of anger that he shouldn't have said. And and those comments cost him dearly. I mean, my God, can you imagine how many billions and billions of dollars he's lost as a result of his stock going from 300 to what is it today? 107 or something like that. That's crazy. All because he, go back and check that podcast. I think it's called How to Control Your Anger. Um, and we use that as an example. And, and there's another one today. This one I think is equally important. You know, we talk a lot about what's going on in the United States today. This country has an issue with people who are at each other's throats, A, and very misinformed. And that's often what causes the anger and the ignorance is that we don't get enough good information. And look, there's a very simple reason why you don't get good information. And more often than not, it has to do with money. It really is. I mean, if if I own you, right? If I own you because I pay you a lot of money to defend me, you're my lawyer, let's say, you're going to defend me. That's what the whole relationship is about. Something happened yesterday that we have to talk about because, I don't know, you may be listening to this podcast a few days later, but it's still in the news. But we're still right now, as I'm speaking to you, within the threshold of some guy who plays football on a Monday night, no less. One of the most important Monday night games. It was the end of the holidays. And so many people are sitting around watching this. My wife this morning, she's not a big football fan like I am. She comes up to me this morning while we're having coffee at breakfast and I hear her playing something on her phone. And I said, what is that? She's usually the one yelling at me because when we get together in the morning to have breakfast or have coffee, we like to sit around and talk about the world and the kids. And here she is playing a video. And I said, what are you playing? She goes, I need to find out what happened to that player last night. And she's playing some ESPN video. And I'm thinking, really? Then not long after that, the, the lady who helps us in our home, a wonderful uh, woman, uh, Gloria, who's been with our family for a long time, and she helps, you know, with the kids and, you know, with uh, keeping the house up and stuff like that. She walks in and she says, uh, Mr. Rick, how are you? And I said, fine, Gloria. And she says, oh, my God, how's that player doing? And I'm thinking, wow, when Gloria, the lady who helps us with the house, and when my wife are waking up talking about a football game, this has got to be big. And it is. And look, we'll get into this later as well. And I just have to say it. Please don't think less of me for saying this because every 
injury, every death, every tragedy means something. And certainly to the people who are the loved ones of that person. But with all due respect, people have heart attacks in the United States every single day. And they're brothers and fathers and mothers and sisters, and, and they all have a story. And when there are wars that we fight, sometimes tens of thousands of people die, children. And for some reason, they never get talked about. And that's not to say that I don't care about DeMar Hamlin. I care a lot about DeMar Hamlin. And I understand the reason his apparent heart attack matters is because it happened on national television. At the same time that he was falling and having a heart attack, there were probably a hundred others taking place in the United States that no one will ever think about talk about or care about, and no one will go to their GoFundMes and give money to them or their families. So just, I say that for the sake of context and perspective, not because I'm trying to minimize what happened to this young man at all. I feel terrible about him, and I understand that people were swept up in the emotion of what happened because they watched it as it happened. And as consumers of information, as human beings on this earth, we should know that. We should know that sometimes things matter more because of the circumstances in which we saw them. And that doesn't mean that we care for them less or should we care for them more, just that we should take that into account. But there's something even, there's something even bigger in this story. There's something even bigger in this story that I think matters even more. ESPN last night, right? was um, responsible for telling us what was happening in the moment as that young man fell to the ground. ESPN was covering the event, right? Like I, as a journalist, have covered countless events throughout my life. And my job when I cover that event is to give you the information and to find it no matter where I can find it to look for it, to, 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 to call people, to get sources, to do whatever I can to tell you what's happening in that moment. It transcended a sports event and became a news story. That happens from time to time. And I, I, I immediately noticed as this was happening that ESPN failed miserably. I was sitting Actually, last night, I did have the TV on. My son walked into the room. My wife, Suzanne, was with me. We were not watching the game because I was busy preparing stuff like this podcast and other things that I do. But my son walked in and we said, well, let's, let's put the game on. If nothing else, it'll be in the background. So I wasn't really paying a lot of attention to this game. When all of a sudden, this thing happened. Suddenly, of course, it perked my curiosity and piqued my interest, and I started paying attention, and I kept waiting. I, I watched with my own two eyes, and I saw what happened. This young man, Damar Hamlin, you guys saw it too, tackled a player, but then after he stood up, and then he fell down. And I thought, boy, that's curious. That doesn't seem like a head injury, but it could be, and I know that's always the thing that they worry about. Now, remember, the NFL is very concerned right now about this. Because of what happened earlier to Tua, I think this weekend folds another quarterback who plays, I believe, for Philadelphia. Scotty Mendick, is that right? Does he play for Philadelphia? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. He he had an injury as well, and everybody's talking about that. So the NFL is having a problem right now. And they're having to deal with the fact that this is a really crazy, dangerous sport. And they're trying to figure out how they can present it to people. And they don't want people to know just how dangerous it is because they also don't want to get sued by the players and they don't want the game to lose in popularity. So they're trying to, you know, do this, which which I understand. They're a business, just like anybody else would want to do a business. If I had a, a pizza shop, I wouldn't want people to know that combining cheese and grease and, and then all the other stuff you eat could kill you. So I'm going to put the best face on it, right? But here's the difference. Here's the difference. And, and this is what I just think is important for you to understand so you can protect yourself from this, right? And Scotty, I think you know where I'm going to go with this. There is a $15 billion relationship. Let me say that again. There is a $15 billion relationship between the NFL and ESPN. They cut a $15 billion deal. In the old days, if you watched a sporting event, it would be let's say, the local channel covering it, and they would cover the sport because they make money by getting a lot of people to watch the sport. That's not the way it works today. Today, the league pretty much owns, and vice versa, the channel that covers the sport. And the channel kind of owns the league. It's like they're in together. It's like whatever they, it's, it's symbiotic. Whatever one does is only as good as what the other does. So ESPN's job last night was not to tell us what was going on with that player. Their job was to do everything possible to protect the NFL's reputation. And I saw it immediately in the coverage. First of all, when there's something happening, right? I, you guys may have watched me for years on CNN. When there was a breaking news story on CNN, Let's say uh, traffic uh, chase. Those things were great. We would do great ratings, by the way. They wouldn't cut away. You don't go to a commercial in the middle of a chase. You don't go to commercial when there's a fire break is burning. You don't go to a commercial when the president's about to make a major speech. You stay there and you analyze it. What did ESPN do last night? Here, I'll, I'll play it for you. Here it is. Well, you can see that the ambulance is out there on the field, and they are intensely working on DeMar Hamlin. It's still the coverage. That's Joe Buck. Saying nothing. There's just nothing to say right now. We'll take another break and come back. Take another break. And then they came back and then they took another break. And then they came back and then they took another break. And then they went to the set and nobody said anything. And everybody was afraid to say anything. Even just trying to help figure out, explain, show the video, how the young man fell down, what that meant. It's so simple. Journalism is not hard. 
You pick up the phone and you call a cardiologist or somebody who works for ABC News. I think that was on ABC. Yeah, it was on ESPN, ABC. ESPN, yeah, ESPN, yeah. ABC, yeah. So you call the medical correspondent for ABC News. I don't know who that is. I think they got three or four of them. You get them on the phone and you ask them, would you please watch this and tell us, based on your experience, what this possibly could be. Ask them intelligent questions. Try and figure out what happened. Watch the video. They did not show the video. They did not explain what happened. They did not get an expert. All they did was tell us how sorry they felt for the player and how other players were crying. And by the way, I don't know if you caught that in that moment too, Scotty, but I, I mean, you know, guys like you and I, we, we, we've been in this business for a long time. And immediately I started saying to myself, what is with all this? I know it's sad and I, I get it. And, and it's a sad moment. And you could say it's sad and still say something. Just because it's sad doesn't mean you have to like, okay, now I'm, I'm not allowed to talk. And I just have to come back and go, this is sad. I'm going to a break. This is sad. I'm going to a break, which is what they did. This is sad. I'm going to a break. Look at those players. Oh my God, they're crying. They missed their friend. Something terrible must have happened, but we don't know what it is. And we don't care to find out. And we're not going to report it. And we're just going to say something terrible happened. And now let's go to break. And why are they doing that? Scott, why are they doing that? Uh. I mean, listen. There's, there's, a, there is a lot to really, really unfold here, and I, I will cover. I will say that they did drop the ball with the coverage of this. I think overall, mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think the number one reason for that is the number one one reason for everything, and that's just follow the money. Mm -hmm. Like you said, there's a big TV deal. Uh, ESPN in the past has been known to fold and bend for the NFL's wishes. I mentioned to you before we started taping, there used to be a famous TV show back in 2003 called Playmakers about a fake uh, a professional football league and the drama that surrounds the players and, you know, in the locker room. And after one season, it was so controversial, the NFL actually got ESPN to pull the plug on that successful television show. But, but wouldn't you? So, but wouldn't, now here, let me read something to you, Scotty. All right. I just looked this up. Brand new NFL deal. Everybody else, you can Google this. Just put ESPN NFL deal. Here it is. I'll read to you verbatim. In 2011, ESPN extended its MNF Monday Night Football contract for an additional eight seasons, giving it rights to broadcast until 2021. They own Monday Night Football in an exclusive deal with the NFL. This new deal they've just signed, by the way, is valued at $15 billion. That's a million millions 15 times. And it gives ESPN the rights to extended highlights, streaming, and uh, the deal goes through possibly 2033. So a $15 billion deal. Wouldn't you do everything possible? Who, who would you be more concerned about when you're covering a story? The guy who gave you $15 billion or the folks at home who are hoping to get information from you? I, I mean, if you're insinuating that all the people on TV speaking care more about the money than they do the people, I would kind of push back on you there from an executive standpoint from, you know, a, a, then, yes, I agree with you. They care about the deal. And those people would be pretty pissed off if the announcers went on TV, started slamming the decision of the NFL currently. And that's why it did sound like they were treading lightly. Yeah. Now, I will say, I, but, I will but, but, say but, but, this. Wait, 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 because you just said two things. So I'm going to challenge you back on this. Thing. OK, you work for ESPN. Mm -hmm. You know about that 15 billion dollar deal. You're not yes. stupid. You know, you, you know right. where the money's coming from. And Correct. suddenly you find yourself on the air and you're real careful not to say or do anything that would make the NFL, who's really your boss, even though you yes. work for ESPN, 
look bad. So what do you do? You say nothing. How am I wrong? No, I, I'm not saying that you're wrong, but here's the other thing, I think, that they're not journalists. These people aren't journalists, so you're expecting a journalistic integrity from them, and you're not going to get it. And what I was going to say to you is just to kind of give you a little bit of context, something that I don't think I, I don't think you've ever truly had to experience. You've only worked within the confines of news, journalism, with the integrity. I've worked outside of that before, and I've worked for places where the sponsors get to make decisions. I've gotten in trouble before for covering stories or topics that affected a sponsor. Yeah. And I've gotten pulled into the office afterwards being like, what are you doing? Don't you realize that this is the biggest advertiser, not just we as a station, but the entire company have? How dare you mention that story? Yeah, you can't. You're not you a news program. You don't talk about it like this. You make a joke and you move on. Yeah. Come on, funny guy, go. You can't and, criticize and, our sugar daddy, my God, no matter what he so, does. Even right. if he's indicted for molesting a child, you're not allowed. We we and, are not going to do that story. Some And I think you saw that. Our, and, the guy who's our top sponsor is what you're saying, right, Scotty? Yes. The guy who's Correct. our top sponsor has just been arrested for molesting a child, right? and we're going to have a meeting as to whether or not that story is going to be covered by us Correct. today because, after all, he is our sugar daddy. Whereas, if mm -hmm. he wasn't our top sponsor, it would be the lead story automatically, no questions asked. That's the difference. Exactly. Exactly. Same thing as you see a little bit in politics sometimes where uh, uh, a politician A, who's a Republican, gets in trouble and Fox won't cover it or a politician B, who's a Democrat and MSNBC may not cover it sometimes because so, that's their bread and butter. So it's funny you say that because I last night tweeted something and we're getting somewhere here. OK, this yes. is I, I, the reason we're having this very full throated conversation about the story is because I think there are there are lessons here to be learned. And to me, they're Absolutely. so important because this is in my 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 heart, my nerve, my sinew, as Rudyard Kipling would say. I, I breathe this. I, le I live this. Information is important. I, I can hear and smell bullshit from a mile away. And immediately last night, um, and you can check me on this if you want to, go to my Twitter account. It's Rick Sanchez TV. I immediately looked up and tweeted this. ESPN needs to get some people on the air who know how to cover a story. I feel bad for these folks. This is me reacting to what I'm watching. Mm -hmm. This player's on the ground. They're just cutting to break. Nobody's saying anything. They're not showing any pictures. They're not describing what happened. You don't have to be offensive telling a story. Some stories are happy. Some stories are sad. Just give me the facts. I'll decide whether to be sad or happy or whatever. You don't be sad for me. So uh, I went on to write, ESPN needs to get some people on the air who know how to cover a story. I feel bad for these folks. They sound really dumb. And then I put, that's why journalism matters. A bunch of people on Twitter started attacking me. How dare you talk about journalism? What does journalism have to do with this? All that matters is a man's life hinges on the balance and et cetera, et cetera. And I thought to myself, wow. So you don't care about facts because they got you, man. ESPN was so good at making you cry <laughs> that you don't want, I'm, I'm sad. And when I'm sad, I don't want facts. And that's, that's, that's so indicative of what's happening right it, now. It, because it, because it what, really we watched shows, last, was, what we watched last night on ESPN is the same thing that happens on CNN, my friend. And the yeah. same thing that happens on Fox. And the same thing that happens in the New York Times. And the same thing that there is an ulterior motive, a bigger reason for them to 
talk to you and leave out the things they leave out. ESPN didn't say anything wrong last night. I'm not accusing them of giving bad facts. More often than not, it's what you don't say that reveals who you are. That's the bigger point I'm trying to make, Scotty. Uh, yeah, and as you were saying that, man, there's a certain there's a certain hypocrisy in the air that I can smell where people are attacking you for giving an opinion. You're not giving a <laughs> you, 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 and not just you, by the way. I saw other people getting attacked for not similar opinions, but other opinions just because they didn't have anything to do with the emotional reaction of the game. And yeah. it's like for, for How dare all you the. Think? How dare you think well, this is not a time? And to I was think. just about to say that 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 wasn't a political, um, a motivated attack. That was just people's reaction to you. So yeah. for all the people I constantly hear about, well, we should be free thought and we should allow people to free think. At the same time, people are attacking you for doing that. And here's something that's not political. You know what I mean? There's no political uh, leaning here. This is just a sports story. You're right. making an observation that man, it would be great if there was some real information given right now. You know. I then checked this morning after my wife uh, and I were sitting, having breakfast together, having a cup of coffee, as we often do every morning around 7 a.m., sometimes a little between 7, 7.30, it all depends. <laughs> and, um, and, and she was playing that tape, and I thought, oh, well, that's, um, that's a guy I kind of trust. They got this guy on ESPN who's not a dunderhead like most of the others are. Not that they're dunderheads. A lot of these guys are former athletes, and a lot of these guys are just you know, sportscasters and everything is like a big story and hey, look at the highlights. And, you know, so that's cool. I mean, they're entertaining too in their own way and I shouldn't criticize them for it, but they do have this dude named Scott Van Pelt who comes on usually later on. And he's more of a journalist kind of reporter. He's actually a, 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 an analytical thinker who usually says things that are interesting and not just, you know, jocular. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so I wanted to watch his coverage. And he actually tried to tell the story as it really happened, the way I would have done it, describing the action, for example. But you know what they did? As he was describing the story, they didn't put the video of the story because they don't want to show that video again. They want to show it as little as possible because that video could become evidence when the family or other players or somebody decides that they're either going to sue the NFL for maybe not getting to this guy soon enough or whatever, but they weren't going to, in fact, here, I, I'm going to let you listen to it and I'm going to des describe the video as best I can. Because now, now listen, when you're listening to him, I'll just tell you this, because this is a podcast and you're just listening, you're not watching. You, he says things, but the things he are, he is saying are not seen. So it's almost like I, I'm a reporter and I have video of a fire in a building and I say, look at this building. It's on fire, but they're not showing the building on fire. They're showing reaction from people watching the fire across the street. That's what that's what they do here. Watch. Game starts with a Cincinnati touchdown. Buffalo gets a field goal. And then as Cincinnati is driving with the football for the second time, they're showing players Lamar Hamlin, who are second year safety out of Pittsburgh tackles T Higgins. And he we don't see this back to the turf and the reaction of the we, players on the field was we don't see the reaction all you needed to see. And <laughs> no immediately video. there was a television feed that we have access cool. to. Let me see it. Nope. That's the same feed as the Monday Night Football. They don't show has. And as I they, noticed 
the urgency with which the medical personnel were moving, it was very concerning. I, that's interesting. That's it was newsworthy. clear from their reaction that See? this situation was dire. See, he, he's being a journalist. He's saying it was clear from their reaction the situation was dire. We're watching this video. I, we have this video. And guess what? They didn't play the video. They didn't put on the video. They didn't share the video. Their reason for doing that has everything to do with the fact that they don't want you to see the video because their uh, ulterior motive here is not that you are informed. Their ulterior motive is protecting the NFL from that video. So you will now see that video as little as possible, and it'll be edited a certain way. Now, the reason I say this, and by the way, I'm sure, Scotty, did I was I correct in my description of that video? Was, did yeah, I get that right? A hundred, a hundred percent. And it's, you know, the guys in the control were probably sitting there, had the video maybe even queued up, and then email comes in or the phone text, "Hey, don't run that video anymore." Yeah. Yeah. And and that's how it usually happens. Something as simple as that. And what are the guys in the truck going to do? Not listen to the, the guys in their chat. I mean, they're not going to run the video by the anymore. Way, look, this is not the biggest deal in the world. For those of you who are no. listening to me right now, I go, Sanchez, you know, Mednick, where are you guys going with this? I get it. This, the, you know, there are wars, there are battles, there's cancer to be cured. There's all these things. Mm. It, it's just that this is a little microcosm. It's such an, because everybody happened to be watching this last night. I thought it would be a, a good example to show you how we are manipulated. And it happens in such a, almost a benign way. Yeah. You can't hate Joe Buck for being sad and wanting to cry. You can't hate the ESPN for, for being sad and showing the players and saying how much they care about the family. These are all nice things. But somewhere along the line, some asshole like me comes in and says, how come you weren't covering the story though, man? I mean, here, I'll give, I'll give you some example. I just did a little bit of research on this. And by the way, they say it's a heart attack. I don't believe you. Maybe it was a heart attack. Maybe it wasn't. I know it's convenient for the NFL to be sure it's a heart attack. And by the way, it probably was a heart attack. And you know, but, but say the NFL is saying it's a heart attack. Don't say it's a heart attack. Because you don't know. You're not a doctor. See, that's called journalism. Yeah. I just read the line in the, um, I, ju I, w I just went to the New York Times and I read their coverage of this. And in their first line, they said, a player last night suffered from a heart attack. You don't know that, New York Times. Did you interview his doctor? Did you do a uh, analysis of him? Did you diagnose him? Why are you saying it's a heart attack? Oh, the NFL says that's different. That's called sourcing a story. You say the NFL said he had a heart attack. Okay, the NFL said he had a heart attack. But you can't say he had a heart attack. This is just, see, this is the stuff that we've gotten away from that we have to watch out for. And by the way, these facts matter in this case. I'm going to give you some facts now that you may not even know about. That's really important for, you know, overworked guys like me. Within 20, um, within 20 seconds of a cardiac arrest, your heart stops beating. 20 seconds. Okay, well, that's interesting. So then how long does it take? How, how soon do they have to ha start giving him CPR for him to survive this heart attack and not be in a coma? Well, CPR must be started within two minutes. Mm -hmm. Two minutes. Now think about it. There are, there, are there are, last I checked, 52 cameras on the field. 52 cameras that are pointed at this young man. Not a one of them last night was shown during that process. Not a one. 
which is interesting, right? And they, they've got enough cameras here to be able to go in tight if they wanted to. Not that they should, but I'm just saying. There's, But CPR should start within two minutes. And if you start within two minutes, you might have positive outcomes. If CPR is delayed three minutes on a cardiac patient, three minutes, the brain automatically starts to deteriorate and it gets progressively worse. If someone isn't giving you oxygen and performing CPR within nine minutes, you have permanent brain damage. Nine minutes. You have nine minutes after a heart attack to either get CPR or some kind of uh, uh, oxygen, both at the same time, by the way, not one or the other. Yeah. Nine minutes, permanent brain damage. Ten minutes, your chances of survival are very low. And uh, after 10 minutes, even if you're resuscitated, eight out of 10 people will be in a coma and uh, will die. Look at, look at those numbers. Look at that. I mean, that I'm just sharing that because, you know, I'm a nerdy journalist and I immediately look up stuff. So immediately <laughs> after I saw the guy down, I said, how long before they can get to resuscitate him? Well, we still don't know. Every article I've read, I have no idea how long it took him to resuscitate him. It could have been 15 minutes. It could have been 14 minutes. I don't know how long it took him to run to the end zone, get the equipment, run onto the field, whether the doctor was peeing or he was ready to go. I don't know. Do you, Scott? No, no. And none of that was explained. <laughs> That's interesting stuff. I mean, no, it is as a journalist. It's, I mean, I'm not saying you got to be modeling about it. I wouldn't go out there. Right. You, know, you know, you could still tell those facts in a caring, loving way that doesn't make you sound like a bad person. Those are facts. How come we ain't right. got none? Ain't got none. Nothing. <laughs> it, it's it's crazy, too, because when with the lack of facts, you see a void start to happen and, and people start to fill that void with things that aren't facts and aren't the reality and they start you know it becomes it starts to become conspiracy and things like that beyond what we're talking yes. and, and people yes. and, and people use that and it becomes it just becomes dangerous so how as a viewer you, you've just explained how all this you know happens now as a viewer i'm not a news guy let's pretend and as a viewer i'm watching this how should i compartmentalize this how as i the viewer should use this so i don't fill those voids with my own information you know just a regular guy i'm talking about now well, that's interesting because the reason I'm talking about this today is because I, I want us all to learn that mm. the same thing ESPN did because they've got a $15 billion deal with uh, the NFL. And we could say the same thing. I mean, my God, imagine if the game were on the NFL network. The NFL network. Oh, well, that's, yeah. The I NFL mean, network on. is owned by the NFL. It's yeah. like, we are going to be the, this. it's like, it's like that story you gave us a little while ago about that guy who uh, is a main sponsor at the radio station where you work and you don't want to report on him. Oh, yeah. Now imagine <laughs> yeah. the guy owns the radio station. <laughs> I mean, like, I'll tell you all fair who it was and maybe they do. No. Yeah. So, <laughs> and that's happened today. And it's, it, it, it's a problem with Fox and with CNN and with all of our entities. There are, see, there used to be 20, 30, 40 years ago, whatever. Go back whenever you can. A, 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 a journalism entity, a content provider, whether it was your local newspaper or, you know, Channel 7 or Channel 52 or whatever you watched on TV, no matter where you grew up, the guys who owned that station had nothing, had nothing to do with anything else. Right. They weren't controlled by the government. They weren't controlled by big corporations. They just some dude who owns a TV station or some dude who owns his local newspaper. Today, that's not the way it is. Yeah. 
There's giant conglomerate boards who control your newspaper no matter where you are. And it's a bunch of guys in Kansas City. And for all you know, they are, uh, oh, let's just say uh, war profiteers. Right. They all work for, uh, uh, let's say, Raytheon or Pratt & Whitney. So when you wake up in the morning and you read a story that says, it, you know, we've got to attack Iraq or we've got to go to war with Putin or we've got to attack. The well, of course, <laughs> they make their money by selling guns and bombs and they own your local newspaper and your local newspaper is telling you that it's really important that we bomb such and such. Yeah, it's their bombs. It's that's that's so it's not that much different from what happened last night with ESPN not covering the story properly because they were afraid and they wanted to protect the NFL. It's not that different, mm -hmm. Scotty. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. that's where we are. Well, it's hard to sift through the bullshit sometimes and to sit there and try to have to figure out who's paying who and follow the money. I mean. I mean, what do we do for our information? Then, how do we get our information? How do we, you know? You might want to trust the Rick Sanchez podcast because, as far as you can tell, Rick is not being paid by anybody and he's basically doing this podcast with his own mm -hmm. buck. So, yeah. you might, I would probably trust Rick Sanchez's podcast to a certain extent, but not all of it because Rick can also be full of shit because he has his own biases that he brings to the right. game. And by the way, so does that guy, Scotty Mednick. So, I do. Uh, right. <laughs> but, but, but guess what? I, I, it, what would happen to Rick and Scotty if tomorrow somebody gave us fifteen billion dollars? How would 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 you trust would you trust yourself? Would you trust me? Probably not. Realistically, thank you. Because you should. How could you? Because you no, should. How could you? No. How could you? We're humans. That's <laughs> way more money than any of us could ever like. Especially, oh my right. god. Right. And and Anderson Cooper or whatever some of their you know Rachel Maddow or uh, Sean Hannity or whatever these people. They are paid sometimes between 20 and 30 million dollars a year. Do you think they're going to say something uh, to criticize the hand that feeds them? Of course not. And do I blame them? I guess not. It's not them. It's the I mean, Walter Cronkite was lucky if he made $150,000 a year. Well, yeah, he made about the same. The he made less than a doctor would have made back then. Right. Right. Today, there's no doctor who today. can touch Anderson Cooper's contract or salary. <laughs> so, again, you know, so, so yes, it, it, it does. The, the one you want to trust the least are the big influencers, right? The big media companies. Right. And um, truth, facts, um, and what it means uh, are important. And, and, right. and that's just, first of all, start with that. You know, when the New York Times made its famous New York Times v. Sullivan decision, they said, what is the most important element in a case where someone sues someone for slander? What is the one most important element, judge, jury, lawyers, in any case where someone is saying that someone has lied about them? What, what is it that slandered them? What is it? Truth truth. Just start with that. So when you ask me, how do we protect ourselves, Rick? Uh, I'll tell you right now, start with truth. Mm. I mean, and, and you have to look at truth um, in a whole way, not a partial way. So right. uh, the example I just gave, the New York Times wrote an article that when I 
when I wanted to see what really happened in this story, I went to the New York Times because I kind of trust the New York Times. And I realized I can't trust the New York Times completely either, by the way, or the Washington Post or whoever, or the Washington Examiner on the conservative side or the Wall Street Journal, because their first story said a player last night in a game playing for Buffalo had a heart attack. And I thought, how do you know that? Who are you quoting? Why don't you say, according to the NFL, the player? So right. right there, that's truth, right? So number one, ask yourself as you read the information, is this in and of itself truthful? Does it lack a modifier? See if there's sources there that are being sourced so we know where the story's coming from. Right, right. right. And yeah. then ask yourself, you know, because a lot of people would read that and not even see what you're seeing right there. Exactly. He had a heart attack last night. Oh, okay, cool. He had a heart attack last night. Got it. So but, ask yourself so, if it's true. Right. And always remember that true and false is not the the ultimate arbiter, right? Mm. Why? Because you can say chocolate cake is better for you than carrot cake. Well, is that true? <laughs> um, not really, because it all depends. I'll tell you this. I just looked it up. Chocolate cake actually has more calcium than carrot cake. I didn't know that. That's there a true is. statement. Chocolate cake has more calcium than carrot cake. But you can't say chocolate cake is better for you than 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 uh, carrot cake. It all comes down to so everything doesn't come down to true or false. It comes down to looking further. And we, you know, again, we we have to do that. The other thing is. Damn it, man. We have to start being more skeptical, not cynical. Yeah, yeah. Skeptical. And that's important what you just said, because too many people go right for the, you know, becoming just cynics about it, really. Instead they become of angry. Skeptical. Right. It makes people angry right off the bat. And, I, yeah. and that's kind of what I saw a lot last night, even with this story, for example. For me, I try my best. Again, I'm a human, but I try my best never to allow myself to get emotional about any story that I'm reading. Good, because at the end of the day, we're humans and whether it's being done, you know, nefariously or innocently, we still make, you know, we still give out wrong information sometimes. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to get so bent out of shape over something that somebody else is telling me that I didn't see with my own eyes or hear with my own ears and I'm just allowing the mob mentality to take control and I'm emotional and I'm going to be out there protesting for the it's doing now negative. It's hurting exactly. me and it's hurting the people around me. And that's what we're seeing. Not just forget this story. Now we're, we've been seeing this over the last five, six, seven years with politics and everything else. And you see it change people and make people horrible because they're emotional. Yes. You know, and that's the thing. You just don't. I just, get I just read a study and I think we're going to be doing uh, more on this very soon that never before in the history of America have Republicans hated Democrats so viciously. And yeah. by the way, never before in the history right, of America sure. have Democrats hated Republicans so viciously. When they ask mm -hmm. them, do you believe Democrats are liars? Something like 70% of Republicans say, yeah. yeah, they are. When they ask Democrats about Republicans, 65% say the same thing. When they ask them, are they immoral? Yeah, 70% say. <laughs> I mean, the worst, the things you would never say about your worst enemy is now how Americans think of each other. And you just hit it on the head. And I think this is a very important lesson that we all have to come away with in this. And be, be skeptical, but don't be cynical. If after yeah. you read a story or hear a story that Sean Hannity tells you or that Rachel Maddow tells you, you're angry about it, they meant to do that. 
Yes. They wanted, they weren't interested in making you informed. They were interested mm -hmm. in making you angry. Angry is how they get you back the next day. And if you're angry, you're cynical. And if you're cynical, it's not the right response to information. Correct. You Correct. should be skeptical and say, well, I'm not sure. You know, my friend Scotty just came up and said, hey, Rick, did you know that chocolate cake is better for you than carrot cake? And I go, Scotty. That, you're full of shit. What the hell does that even mean? I, mean, I love you like a brother, but can you give me something else? Well, what do you mean by better? You go, oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry. Here's the report. It says it has more calcium. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you got me. I'm not we're mad all guilty. We're all guilty I'm not of mad at you. I'm not cynical. I'm not, not going to send, you know, go to your house and punch you in the face because you said it. I just asked another question. Got yeah. another piece of information. But man, we just we don't get that today, buddy. But we're all guilty of it. We're all guilty of it oh, to of a course. certain extent. It's a it's about being aware of it. I like you just said, you 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 use the example of Hannity. And now I'm gonna put myself a couple years back now when this recent, more recent political, you know, 2014 thinking. And if I would see something on Maddow, off the bat, I'd be like, Oh, I can't believe Trump. Oh, what a horrible person. Yeah. <laughs> the emotions of the moment. Is that, yeah. it, it did get to me for a while. Where And then I kind of stepped back and said, okay, wait a minute. I keep hearing the same stories over and over again with the same with the same trigger words, the same buzzwords. I go turn on Fox. They're using their same trigger words and their same buzz. Okay, this is all just, it's emotional politics. They're trying to get to us and it's getting to us. And I just backed away. I removed my emotion out of it. And, and it made life so much just You're on a day-to-day -day so, basis. That's so smart. Yourself. And you, what you did was you were ahead of your time because I think people are starting to turn it off right now. And yeah, you know, uh, yeah, we, yeah. We, it's you happening know, we, still, but we we covered truth. We covered not everything is true or false. So you got to watch yourself there. Skepticism versus cynicism. Ask questions. Mm -hmm. Now we got to talk a little bit about sources because you just hit on something that's really interesting, yeah. Scotty. What is the motivation of the source? Source yeah. is the person that gives you the information, right? What is the source? You always ask, you know, I, I remember you and I used to talk about this all the time. You'd come into work and you'd say, oh, my God, my wife is making me crazy. And I said, what's the matter with your wife, Scotty? Dom's wonderful. She reads this shit on Facebook and then she just <laughs> tells me and I'm going like, where did you get that? And then I checked the source and I remember you always say, I've tried to teach her how to check the source, but it's just hard on Facebook. Yeah, it's, it was. <laughs> it still is. <laughs> so what's the source's motivation? And, and how's their reliability on this, mm -hmm. right? What's their reputation? Yeah. Are they trying to give you knowledge? Are they trying to educate you? Or are they trying to move you emotionally? That's what yeah. you just said about Rachel Maddow. And, and that literally had that throughout the last few years has become my normal argument for anything anybody ever. Yeah, but, you know, Obama did. Blah, blah. What's your source? Well, you heard that Biden did. What's yeah. your source? Trump did. What's your source? Where are you getting that from again? You right. said they eat what? Babies? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> What's your source? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, And that's like literally people either stopped coming to me with bullshit or they started saying, oh, but I sourced it. Oh, okay. You got it there. Cool. I'll look into that then. Thanks for the. Well, uh, and, you know? and by the way, there's lesson number five. Oh. There's two types of sources. There's a primary source and a lesser source, right? A primary source is somebody who actually witnessed something. That's a primary source. I, Rick Sanchez, was sitting right here on the corner of 168th and 63rd Manor, and I watched as the car came down this road right there. I'm showing it to you. I see it. Suddenly, the horse ran out in front of the car. He swerved, went to the right, and crashed into that pole right there. 
and the person is describing what they saw. They are a primary source. Right. And then there's the lesser sources. Cable news, lesser source. Network reports, newspapers, Wikipedia, blogs, even podcasts, lesser sources. So you have to be real careful with, there's the guy who tells it, and there's the guy who tells you what he other guy told you or told him, right? Mm-hmm. So, and 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 probably the most important rule that we all need to know, and this is why I'm doing this because I hope we all can get better at this. Whether you're talking to a friend and trying to get information from him, or trying to be better informed, the rule, the rule of thumb is two principal sources for any story, not just one. Two people watched the car swerve off the road while trying to avoid a horse and hit a tree. Two people said the same exact thing. One was standing on this corner. The other one was standing on that corner. Now you got a story. Mm. Now you got a story, right? Two principal sources sharing one bit of information. We rarely get that, though. Yeah. We rarely get that, unfortunately. Here's another one. Language clues. Yeah. Whenever you hear someone telling you a story and there are fewer verbs and nouns than there are adverbs and adjectives, you got a problem. <laughs> when the story that, is all about you, you're so not going to believe <laughs> this and it's unbelievable <laughs> and it's incredible and this is yeah, miraculous. Okay. And yeah. like, why are you, why are you describing? Like last night, I mean, going back to ESPN. The whole thing was about adjectives. This is so sad. Look the emotion. Look how horrible. Look how I feel. Look how they feel. Look how I think. Look how there there was there were no nouns. There were no verbs. When Scott Van Pelt finally came in and he tries to create nouns and verbs by saying the player was hit. He fell to the ground. Other players gathered around him. He's describing it but they're not showing it because they don't want to. They only wanted people to feel. Lots of adjectives, lots of adverbs. Be careful when you hear lots of adjectives and lots of adverbs. More often than not, you're being bullshitted. Yeah, yeah. When they they start striking the emotional chords, it should be a trigger. It should be a a warning flag for you, rather. Right, right. You know? Yeah, it's amazing. They're trying to, yeah. No, it's a good, I mean, and listen, uh, I see it on all cable news, they do that same thing. You know, it's not news anymore. It's it's like, you know, opinion programming, but that's the same thing. You know, they're going to come and take your jobs away. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel terrible. Right. To lose How am I going to feed my family? Same. And then, you know, just let that thought snowball to where it is. Now, we got to stop these people from trying to take our jobs. Right. And they also, people? and they, and they know, and, and that here's the other one, by the way, since we're having this discussion, and I hope, you know, we all get something out of this. Then there's emotional appeals, sort of what we were discussing, but then they combine those with confirmation bias. They know that there's something that you believe because you almost are trained to believe it. For example, you're a parent, right? You've got yes. two cute little kids. Actually, yes. they're, they're also a pain in the ass sometimes, but maybe <laughs> not so much as mine are. But anyway, but you love your kids, just like we all love our kids, and you right. happen to be a really great dad, and you're very protective of your children. And that in and of itself creates a bias in you where you Mm -hmm. think there are people out there who are trying to take your kid or hurt your kid. Just naturally. 
So naturally speaking, right? Yeah, it's just it, it, as parents, I, we, I, we're I, we're protective, especially moms, even more than us. I mean, we let our kids climb trees. If you know, my wife sees my granddaughter doing something, she chases me. It's I, like I, great example, Rick. Last night, watching last night, horrible story. I'm watching all the players crying. Oh, that's terrible. Blah 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 blah. The minute they mentioned the mother being there and the parents being there and everything. It just like hit me all of a sudden. I kind of swelled up a little bit. I'm like, oh my god, I couldn't yeah. imagine being a parent coming to watch my kid. What a proud moment! Everything they had to go through to become perfect. And now this, my heart broke, and automatically, and my head starts going where my kid ain't playing football. God, for, oh my god, what? A, yeah, you're right. There's a bias then because now they're hitting everything. Oh, oh, parents here. Yeah. And I mean, now look, that was a news story. It may sway me to act a certain way, or behave a certain way, or think a certain way. Yeah, it's interesting because children, for example, uh, they know that parents uh, are uh, concerned about that. Mm -hmm. So uh, we we wonder uh, globally. Here, here, here's one that I just looked up. Uh, reported the U.S. to and then get taken every single day. So um, we know that parents are very concerned about um, children. Uh, being taken or kidnapped. Yes. So they did a study where they asked people and told them because they know they have a confirmation bias. So you have a confirmation bias. Your confirmation bias, just like everybody else has a confirmation bias. I happen to have a confirmation bias about some things. You have a confirmation bias. For some people, it's global warming. For others, it's hating Trump. For others, it's hating Biden. So they know that Correct. you come in and you have a bias there, which is why, and they know because of whatever, algorithms, et cetera. So then they're going to feed that confirmation bias. And here's one that's very neutral. Generally speaking, a lot of television local stations in particular know that parents all have a confirmation bias about thinking that someone's trying or will try soon to kidnap their kids. So they actually did a report where they said each year, 10 billion kids are kidnapped globally. And they asked parents if they accepted that. And 90 some percent of them said, yeah, absolutely. I believe that. No. Ten billion children are not kidnapped in the United it, globally or anywhere else for that matter. I, I think when I looked up the number, it's more like between five and seven million annually are taken. By the way, that word kidnapped, more often than not, it's one parent taking the kid from another right, parent. Right. But we make it out to be the guy with the knife waiting in the alley to take your child away and eat him or something. Yes. And then we have that fear, which turns into a confirmation bias. They use that confirmation bias against you by trying to convince you that you have to be, you know, overly concerned. Then your poor kid never leaves the damn house. He's sitting inside all day because you're not going to let him go outside and never play like we did. And it becomes an even bigger problem. So that confirmation bias is something that we also have to be mindful of. What do they know that I know? And are they just feeding it back to me? Right? I, yeah. I, I can remember as a kid, like, you know, those stories would come, I, you know, I grew up in the 80s. So post uh, uh, Adam Walsh, but, you know, um, once in a while, stories would come on the news of a kid being taken from the park or something like that. And I always, as a child, I didn't know the story, but I knew when my mom wouldn't let me go to the park by myself. Or I knew when they would now, you know what I mean? Like that extra level of, of hovering would be there now because did you hear? On the other side of the country, a child was taken from his front yard. Exactly. Now we have to. What else? We it's like oh, a kid man, in you know. Seattle, right? Right. They do right. that. Yeah. There, uh, here's another uh, uh, example of Did that. Do you ever wonder what it would be like to live? I, I ask myself this no. a lot. What would it be like to live 70, 80 years ago? 
before all this stuff could happen, before there was media, before the only thing you knew of your surroundings was what your eyes showed you or what your neighbor told you or what your friends and family told you. And you didn't live in a world where a guy kidnapped in Seattle affects your life today. Why in the world should something that happened in Seattle, why should I care about that? Why would I watch local news to find out that a guy who lives uh, 20 miles from my house was murdered last night by some other guy for breaking into a 7-Eleven or something? I don't know. I'm making up a story. It could be anything. No, I know right? what you're saying. But, but how does that affect me? And why am I thinking about it? And what must what would it have been like to live in a world where we didn't think about that. It must have been glorious. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. Simple. It's interesting that you say that, Rick. I'm going to read you something. There's something that's making its ways around the internet today in the past couple of days since New Year's. Uh, it, it's from an Instagram page called Inside History. They they review history and show great photos from throughout history. So yeah. I follow it and I love it. But they posted this the other day in, the, in their caption, and, and I think it kind of captures almost what you're even saying. It, it's... They're saying, um, imagine you were born in 1900. When you were 14 years old, World War I starts. Hmm. And then it ends on your 18th birthday with 22 million people killed. Later in the year, a Spanish flu epidemic hits the planet and runs until you're 20. 50 hmm. million people have died. Then when you're 29, the Great Depression begins. Unemployment hits 25%. Global GDP drops to 27%. And that runs until now you're 33 years old. The country nearly collapsed. And then when you're 39, World War II starts. And you're not even, you think it, it keeps going. When you're 41, the United States finally gets into this war. Between 39 and 45th, your 45th birthday, 75 million people perish in the war. Not, only, not to mention the 12 million in the Holocaust. At 52, the Korean War starts. 5 million people dead. 64 years old now. Vietnam begins. And it doesn't end for many, for many, many years. Four million people die in that conflict. Approaching your 62nd birthday, now you have the Cuban Missile Crisis. <laughs> I mean, and, and it just goes. At yeah. your 75th birthday, the Vietnam War finally ends. <laughs> Think about all, I mean, so you're, you're asking me to put myself in this. Well, there's a lot of global crises happening within that time. So I don't care about these little stupid things that are happening uh, uh, 3,000 miles away when but they didn't affect you with constancy and with immediacy. And that's the point that I'm making. And that's a difference. Yes. But it, there, in, in there the wasn't year 2000 a need for that. and uh, when was when was the first when was World War One? Oh, my God. I just... uh, World War One was 1919, I believe, or 1917. Somewhere there. Yeah. It, so so let's suppose it's 1917. World War One. breaks out. First of all, you know nothing about it and you don't even care. You may have read a newspaper yes. article about it somewhere and it has nothing to do with your country. And it probably shouldn't have had anything to do with our country. And right. we should not have sent soldiers to World War One. It was if you reading back in the history books now, we know that Correct. Woodrow Wilson did it for very specific reasons. And they lied like hell to get Americans yes. to buy into that. So there was even manipulation back then. But it was a very minor manipulation compared yeah. to the stuff that we get today. I mean, it was once in a right. while. So, you know, it's just a, a, a different feeling. Go, going back even to something I we started with, and I find this fascinating because I, like you, have grown up watching and listening to football games. And I'm old yeah. enough to remember when there were games that were not on TV and you had to listen to the Jets on the radio and I had to listen to the Dolphins yeah. on the radio because they had blackouts and stuff right. and you literally had to listen to the game on the radio and you depended on the reporter 
they would have a guy on the field and that guy would tell you what was going on in the field and they would go to him a lot and he'd give you real information. I don't know if any of you guys who are listening to us or any of you gals who are listening to us, I don't know what your sport is, but in the old days, they would actually cover the sport and they would be telling you what's happening. And then they'd go to the person on the field and that person would say, I'm sitting here and uh, two feet away from me is player uh, Marv uh, Jones. And uh, Marv just told me, he actually talked to him. Marv just told me he thinks he sprained his ankle. Marv, how do you feel? Oh, I don't know, man. I don't think I'm going to be able to play, but I'm going to go see the doc now. Okay, great. Thanks, Marv. And he actually would give you real information. Mm. And, and, and he would tell you that um, the referee who threw the flag Threw the flag because it looked to him, and he was there watching it. Again, he's a real source, not a lesser mm -hmm. source, right? Primary source. He just watched that the guy did not step out of bounds at the 22. He stepped out of bounds at the 21, and he could re actually report that. So you would have a person on the field. A This is what they called them. They called them sideline reporters, and they were there to report facts and information. Have you watched a football game today? They go to a sideline reporter and she, who, by the way, happens to be very telegenic, tells you a story about the player's mother when she was five, how she had to walk to school. Right. And they'll, let's go now to Susie, who's standing uh, down in the field. Susie, what have you got to report? You know, before the game, I talked to Joe. He plays quarterback. He said when he was a young man, he and his brother used to get into fights all the time. And that's how he learned that uh, fighting was never good. And he became better at, uh, uh, at coming up with compromises between him and his brother, Fred. <laughs> I learned that from talking to Joe before the game today. What do you think? Oh, thanks, Susie. That's what you get. You, it's like the NFL doesn't want sideline reporters reporting facts. And... I hate to say this now because it takes us back to the very beginning where we started this conversation, but ESPN's job and any other network that's covering sports today, their job is not to tell you what's going on. Their job is not to give you facts. Their job is not to report. And what a shame that is because hmm. a whole generation of people, maybe a little younger than you and I, will grow up not knowing what it's like to actually get real, legitimate information in real time because it doesn't exist anymore it just doesn't exist not real information yeah yeah we watched last night as espn did everything they possibly could to make you feel sad and it worked and there was a reason to feel sad this kid could probably die there's a good chance he may not pull through or he may be in a coma for a really 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 long time because that's what the science tells us that's what i just read to you they haven't read that to you. They haven't looked into that. They haven't shown you the pictures. Even the New York Times reporting of this sucks. Mm. And it's because nowadays they're more interested in protecting the big guys than taking care of us little guys down here who just want to be told what the hell happened. What's the skinny, man? What's the skinny? I don't know. And you there are changing? ways that you can fight back. And I mean, that's why, that's why, Scotty, we would, you know, I just went through this list of things that I, you know, that I gathered truth, yeah, you know, skepticism, sources, primary versus lesser sources, language clues, uh, um, emotional appeals, confirmation bias. These things are important. These are things we should learn because we need them now, possibly more than ever. Don't you think? Uh, yeah. 
Well, I was going to say, do we see these things changing? And if people can learn just those things alone, just the, the intake of information could be a little bit clearer, you know, and we'd see less extremes. It's, yeah, I would think I would think I mean, well, look, today, because there's an over there's an overabundance of information being thrown at us, you know, giving the example, like you said, of years prior, there wasn't as much information being thrown our way. Correct. Today, there's information, even when you're not looking for information, information lives in your pocket information. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, it's a lot more. It's it's heavier almost. Yeah. And some things, things don't go away through. and some things just get more intense. I'll give you an example and maybe we. Sure. Maybe we can finish with this. Okay. You started by telling us the story of a guy who was born in 1900. Yeah. If he had been born two years earlier, he would have lived mm -hmm. in a world where a guy named Pulitzer and a guy named Hertz created a fake war in a place called Havana, Cuba, with the so-called sinking of a main, which we sunk, actually, yep. uh, the United States, because we wanted and needed to go to war with Spain so we could start the Spanish-American War and eventually become the the Higamoth or the the uh, I guess I mispronounced that word, but we could become the country that we are today, a country that uh, is a world power, and that's actually when it started. It wasn't uh, it wasn't uh, at World War One. It was during the Spanish-American War. So. There you go. And by the way, we're talking about media manipulation. That was media manipulation. Some would argue that was the birth of media manipulation, the Spanish-American War with Pulitzer and Hearst, essentially propagandizing and creating this fake story that Americans all had to jump on board and they all had to go down and sign up immediately and join the Rough Riders so they and Teddy Roosevelt could go down there and kill those horrible Spaniards who are today's Iraqis or today's Russians or today's Vietnamese or today's whatever you want to call it, it never has changed. It just started then. And more often than not, those wars are created by people who want to deceive us, just like they're doing today. Am I wrong? No, I was agreeing with you. I thought... <laughs> <laughs> there was nothing else to say over that after that. That was exactly you just it. made me think if we're gonna if we're gonna start in eight, no, if we're gonna start I, in nineteen hundred. Why not go back two more years? Eighteen ninety eight, Spanish American War. Look it up. Look it up. I mean, so you're, you're you're saying we should always be hesitant anytime we start hearing the the the, the beat of drum, uh, the war the war drum beating. Oh my we god! We need to we need to be a little a little pump our brakes a little bit as a society. I am so concerned that we are on the brink of starting World War Three with Russia because our journalist community is bought and owned by the people who make money from that war, and they need a new one. We haven't had one in a while. Afghanistan ended. That lasted 20 years. That kept them happy. They sold a lot of bombs and a lot of guns during that war. The Iraq war kept them very satisfied. So did Syria. So did Yemen. So did uh, uh, a few other places around the world. Well, those are all dying down. We need a new war to keep these guys happy. And the media's job is to supply that war by making us, the populists, want to go into that war until we then ask ourselves, why the hell did we did that? Why the hell did we do that? Just like we've done every other time. 
And we as citizens need to learn these lessons that we talked about in this newscast so that we can prepare ourselves from the bullshit and not buy in like we did with Afghanistan and Vietnam and Korea, all of them we lost, by the way, or Iraq or uh, Libya or uh, Syria. It's the same thing over and over and over again. And how do we get suckered in? By the ESPNs of the world. I know. <laughs> Don't laugh. I'm using that as a minor example. It's just the story of some guy right. who had something happen and we didn't find out what happened because they didn't want us to. But just like they don't want us to know that, they also don't want us to know what's really going on in these other places. Whether it's the Spanish-American war and the attack on, on, on Cuba or the war against Spain or, or, or the fact that we didn't really need as Americans to get involved in the war in World War I. World War II is different. I think we did. Korea, no. Mm-hmm. You know, Vietnam, no. Um, I mean, Iraq, definitely no. One or two. I mean, there was nothing going on with the baby killings that they said that were taking place. Um, same as but Syria. like you said, they they always use the emotional reaction. You know, we're we're trying to stop the spread of communism. We're trying to spread democracy because you know, obviously, patriot. You know, it works here. Woo! Yeah. You know, so we're, we're trying story. to stop the evil accesses from doing. We're trying Muslims, to stop this terrorism. terrorism the Muslims, right? The terrorism. terrorism. They want to. Ca- hey, you know, we're helping the Christians out there. There's only a few Christians and the Jews. We got to stop again. We're they're they're garnering that for us to go to extremes now. I wouldn't kill somebody, but if you're telling me that these people want to kill me, then I have no other choice but to have to kill them. Yeah. The truth is a funny thing. That's, yeah. Well, listen, um, thanks, dude. Fun conversation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think we learn when we do these things, and hopefully we all kind of learn together. Um, and, And it is important to prepare ourselves so that we are less apt to be bullshitted, although... We'll never be perfect at this. Trust me. I mean, no. that's the wor- That's what makes the world go round, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm Rick Sanchez, and he's Scotty Mednick, and uh, this thing is called the Rick Sanchez Podcast. And you can uh, check it out on uh, Spotify or Apple. Uh, and do me a favor. Tell people about it so that they know. We're just trying to be as honest as we possibly can. And uh, if you do want to reach out, we're at aguamedia.com. Aguamedia.com. And we are now doing tens of thousands of people who are checking in all the time and enjoying this conversation. And it's really cool. You know, I, I, w- I was listening to Joe Rogan yesterday. He was interviewing Oliver Stone, Scotty. And, uh, you know, I thought, sometimes I, I wonder whether, because I've been doing news all my life, whether this podcast thing really works. A good conversation between interesting people with intelligent ideas can go further than any prepared speech or broadcast that I've ever done in my life. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. It can cut There's through. Some, yeah. Something about the, the, the authenticity from just speaking from the gut, from the heart and just having a conversation. And especially like you said, when it's two smart, intelligent people, as opposed to having something that's been well thought out and prepared and polished mm-hmm. and, and shined and, you know, and some people like myself can usually smell through those kind of bullshits. I mean, yeah, you've got, you know, you've got, you've got a good radar. You've got a good ear for that stuff. Yeah, yeah. but and and you are intelligent. I'm just quasi intelligent, oh, but together we can, you know, <laughs> fill in the blanks. For we got a whole brain between the two of us. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, dude.
we'll see you again. I'm Rick Sanchez, and uh, we'll see you again next time. Tell your friends about the Rick Sanchez podcast and about Agua Media. Adios, andale, y nos vamos con todos. 